Hello and welcome to this episode of On Point, where our specialists discuss next level digital treasury, the trends to watch and master. In discussion with Eleanor Hill from Treasury Management International, you'll hear from myself, Conor Moore, Head of Transaction Banking Products, Rowan Austin, Head of Trade Origination and Advisory, and Nick Peterson, Global Head of Digital at NatWest Markets. So, Connor, great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Um, I wanted to ask you first off about digital treasury. You know, it goes way beyond simply eliminating paper. So, in your view, what does a cutting-edge digital treasury actually look like today? I think the starting point is always actually looking at what the treasury team is doing. So, I tend to think less about digital or technology for the sake of it in mm-hmm. its own right, but actually thinking about what's the team doing on a day-to-day basis, you know, maybe thinking about what are the recurring transactions that are currently you know, quite labour-intensive or manual versus the time that's been spent on what I would regard as the value-add activity, so dealing with exceptions management, thinking about sort of supporting the business's wider uh, strategic initiatives. So when we think about sort of the digital treasury, I think it's a treasury team that has successfully managed to set itself up in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Nick, what about you? What would you add to that? I think Connor's spot on. From a markets and risk management perspective, there's two key elements that a treasury need to implement, and that's you know, ensuring visibility of risk management is made available and they can they can understand where their exposures on liquidity, interest rate, foreign exchange risk are. Mm-hmm. And then and then making decisions and executing on the back of that. And and, and a cutting edge treasury digitizes both of those. We, we we see a lot of you know some customers who kind of do one side or the other. They've got really, really sophisticated digital tools mm. to visualize where they have interest rate exposure or foreign exchange exposure but then have quite a manual process to yeah. affect the transactions behind it. And um, yeah. the, 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 the cutting edge piece is kind of marrying those two. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of Excel spreadsheets still lurking around behind the scenes for sure. Rowan, your views, are you going to completely disagree? Surprise, surprise, no. I'll just follow up <laughs> on one of Nick's, one of Nick's points. Um, there can be a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of creating mm. digitised processes, creating digitization within manual processes, limiting manual interventions in all financial processes, whether it's mm. procure to pay or order to cash. And ultimately, the aim is to, to drive visibility across that financial supply chain, real-time if possible. But it can be, as I, as I say, it can be baby steps at first in terms of attacking that low-hanging fruit first before you, you try and get to um, the ultimate goal of a purely digitised treasury. I think yeah. what we have seen is quite a lot of changes which has been driven in, in treasury. We've seen that in, in terms of some of our own processes in the bank, driven by sort of COVID, uh, remote working. Mm-hmm. And, and that's brought out a lot of realisation around what, what manual processes can actually be digitised and actually providing a bit of impetus to, to moving towards digitising them. Yeah, absolutely. And just shone a spotlight on some of those old processes that you just did because you that's the way you did it. But anyway, great stuff. So I'm going to put you on the spot now, all three of you. And I'm just wondering if we focus on the innovations that are available today in the market, as opposed to those that are coming down the line, what would you say are maybe the top three digital innovations that you think treasurers should have on their radar? So Connor, coming to you first. 
well, first of all, um, it's very easy to get distracted by by shiny new things. Yeah. And and of course, they are very relevant. But first of all, I'd always just start with the basics. Um, I think, first of all, as I touched on a moment ago, have a think about how you are operating your treasury function today. There's a lot of digital capability that exists that, of course, isn't fully exploited. So for treasurers who have very manual and intensive processes using spreadsheets or disparate proprietary banking systems, there's a lot of capability out there today that can help drive transformation within the treasury environment. And that's important because actually to get after some of the really big transformational stuff, you need to, to get the, the day-to-day stuff working correctly first before you can really start to drive some of those bigger transformation initiatives. But if we kind of think beyond the capability that that exists today around the day-to-day activity and think about actually where are there opportunities to drive real transformational change, of course, it'd be remiss not to talk about the opportunities that open banking bring, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, open banking is really about, you know, promoting the the exchange of, of information and payment initiation instructions between, between counterparties. And indeed, banks like NatWest have been bringing open banking-based innovation to market. For example, we uh, last year launched our Pay It uh, proposition, which is a great example of how we're using open banking technology to drive real transformation opportunities for corporates. And that's transformation across not just around operating costs, but also about risk mitigation, customer experience, and supporting a wider uh, transformation agenda. Yeah, absolutely. And for those listening, uh, we have just published an article around open banking, which is on the TMI website. So please do check that out if you'd like to learn a little bit more. Nick, tell us your views on the, the hot digital innovations to be embracing today. I think to to be embracing today, I'm not going to use the words artificial intelligence, but I think the the tools that are available to create really, really powerful forecasting macros and exposure management tools are quite useful. I think forecasts are all, there'll always be just forecasts and they need to be taken with with Mm -hmm. a pinch of salt. But, you know, in the foreign exchange space, we do see a lot of customers looking at multiple inputs to a forecast that are readily updated real time based on other inputs that again sort of cross into the world the world of artificial intelligence but more from a marketing perspective than anything else it's just Mm -hmm. a a more sophisticated algorithm behind a forecast Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that that can create a lot of visibility for treasurers that originally they might rely on a forecast purely from a from a from a viewpoint perspective and not actually to pay too much attention to it yes when you have a, a much more sophisticated tool to do that it can be very very powerful and Rowan, your views? So I'm going to go slightly off piste um, on a couple of these. But the first innovation I think that treasurers need to be aware of and hooked into is supply chain management technology. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about supply chain finance. I'm talking specifically around yep. supply chain management. It's a really broad suite of tools that can help attain visibility and control across an entire supply chain. The context of this, obviously, treasuries evolved from being... Uh, a high level accounting function mm-hmm. to being much more involved in in business risk yeah. um, and what we've seen particularly from uh, the covid crisis is that 
supply chains have, have been shown to be uh, challenged around resilience. And that challenge around resilience can have a real impact on cash flow, therefore business risk and, and the impact on the treasurer. So when it comes to supply chain management platforms, it's really important that treasurers are, are hooked into mm-hmm. what kind of information that can give. Um, and again, that links into something that Nick spoke about in terms of sort of having the right intelligence around cash flow forecasting. Um, I think the, the second is, is linked to that. Um, and that's the, the sustainability angle yeah, within supply yeah. chains. So really, really important. Supply chains of a business uh, account for up to four times the average amount of a company's direct operations. Mm. So it's all very well having a, an aspiration to get to net zero. But if the supply chain is generating 80 percent of those um, carbon emissions. That's a real challenge. Mm. Um, and what we're seeing now is the emergence of better technology um, mechanisms to actually measure the impact of those supply chains. Some of them are still quite qualitative in terms of an an individual measurement of each supplier, but we're starting to see data-driven mechanisms to to identify carbon emissions within supply chains to help gain a much greater visibility. Excellent. Yeah, it's a very exciting space that and uh, certainly one to watch over the coming months and years. So I wanted to ask probably a little bit of a difficult question, but just if you could generalize and pick one, Connor, what do you think is the biggest tech or digital related opportunity that might be being overlooked by treasurers right now and why? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think um, I think for me, it's what I'd call connected enterprise. So it's really yeah. thinking about uh, not just thinking about Treasury operating within its own silo. Of course, it, Treasury in its own right needs to be efficient and, and, meet, and meet its own strategic themes. But actually, Treasury has a really important role of connecting up the wider enterprise. So information coming in into Treasury, for example, how well is that exchange with the finance team, for example, mm-hmm. around your forecasting, reconciliation, reporting, uh, into credit control around real-time visibility of customer payments and, and how you use that real-time vis- visibility to support increasing your release of goods and velocity of, of trade, to name a couple of examples. There are lots of technologies that exist there today that can help treasurers sort of connect up the enterprise more efficiently. And you know, some of these would be familiar to, to listeners in e-invoicing as, as, a, as a, kind of a very straightforward example of, of how you can start to connect up the enterprise in a, in a more value-add way. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, thanks, Connor. Nick, what about you? Anything being overlooked? Well, I think Connor touched on open banking, which is is isn't being overlooked at all. But but APIs more broadly, mm. I would suggest might be being overlooked. Certainly from 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 the bank side and the the software side, we are you know all all, all participants in the market are quite aggressively moving to an API first strategy where we yeah. expose our capabilities to customers not through an interface or a platform, but through an API. Now, now what customers do with that is largely up to them. Um, they should have, in a, in a relatively short period of time, a huge suite of treasury services that are all integratable into, into a platform that they might want to build themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's, there's a variety of treasuries we speak to in, in the markets business who are starting to think about it. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody really deploy any in, in-house technology resource to work out how they could create something themselves that's fully mm. customizable. It doesn't have to be sort of fully built in-house as well, it's, but it's thinking about what does it mean for your treasury management system that you have today? Yeah. And if there's a suite of APIs around risk management, around liquidity management, around forecasting, that you could consume 
and construct something really, really bespoke for yeah. your own business, mm -hmm. that, that then gets really, really cool. And I think that will be the next wave of, of, of innovation. Yeah. That, that it's in the tools of the treasurer themselves to, to innovate. Yeah, absolutely. It's what Treasurer's been asking for for ages. So it'd be very nice to see some progress in that area. Rowan, your thoughts? So I've already mentioned supply chain management technology in, in terms of something that's quite likely to be overlooked by Treasurer's as it hasn't been traditionally central to a Treasurer's role. But, but I'd like to talk specifically about supply chain finance technology in terms of the, the leaps and bounds we've seen in, in recent years in terms of where supply chain finance is going. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, a, a lot of corporates are happy to have bilateral programs with banks which relies on sort of legacy technology, yeah. whereas actually the, the, there is a potentially more modern way of working whereby you have channels that enable access to multiple banks mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. make the management of those supply chain finance programs much more straightforward and much easier. Additionally, I think that the technology platforms and, and tools that enable um, basically a successful supply chain finance program um, enables hundreds, if not thousands of suppliers to access that finance and, and yeah support the relationships they have with the buyer. So accessing uh, tools that enable them to be onboarded easily, that's mm -hmm. click-through documentation, that enables better, quicker onboarding and KYC. Um, these are definitely the things that treasurers should be aware of and, sh and should be thinking about. Similar topic around sort of wider trade finance and, and blockchain platforms that are starting to emerge. Again, they are open banking driven. Mm -hmm. So they enable the end-to-end -end flow of information in a trade, whereas previously most and, and really currently most trade finance is driven by paper-based processes yeah. um, and these blockchain platforms are really supporting that visibility we had one example of a, of a client who was um, importing palm oil and wanted to do so from a sustainable source and actually they were presented with a fraudulent certificate of origin and if you if you drive this through blockchain channels where you have one source of of the true document mm -hmm. this helps solve some of those problems so um I think getting that visibility and that authenticity is going to be really yeah. important. Yeah, trail of provenance. Very interesting stuff. Okay, perfect. So we've spoken quite a bit about technology and, and what it can do, but we haven't spoken very much about the people sitting alongside this technology. So Connor, do you think there's a lot of upskilling required? Do treasurers need to think a little bit differently about their role and how they can leverage these digital enhancements to kind of improve their strategic value? value within the organization? Well, yes, I think it, it begins with the role that Treasury sees itself playing. So some treasurers will see themselves primarily to discharge a fiduciary responsibility, for example, around yeah. looking after liquidity and funding management. But I think it's fair to say most uh, treasurers recognize that they have a, a far more strategic role to play in a firm. Um, Treasury is very uniquely placed in um, in most companies, they, you know, treasurers have proximity to the board, so they are very close to both shaping and implementing company-wide strategy. Mm -hmm. But equally, through the day-to-day -day operations, also have close proximity to the front line of the business, you know, in whatever form that exists across different industries. Mm -hmm. The key thing is that every business decision has a treasury impact, whether that's across funding, liquidity, interest rate risk, and, and so on. And that drives a very different skill set for treasury teams themselves to be able to, to deal with mm. much wider business themes. And that's true in the context of technology as well, because really technology conversations are moving away from sort of the traditional banking type products and traditional 
sort of wider e-commerce type solutions yeah. to more, you know, we've been talking about open banking as an example. That's driving very different types of conversation within the organization. So that's increasingly conversations with the digital officer, for example, thinking about uh, digital marketing, digital sales in the context of payments, for example, how do you integrate payments into e-commerce solution? So that's that's driving uh, different types of conversation and, mm. and consequently treasurers themselves have a very important role of connecting, for example, connecting their banks with the right people in the organization yeah. Yeah. and understanding actually how do you embrace these transformational changes and you have that clearly from a, from a people perspective. That is driving a very different type of skill set and, and, and a need to understand the business more widely, mm-hmm. which of course makes for a much more interesting environment for Treasury too, and I think helps with, amongst other things, you know, people development and and, uh, and retention. Nick, your views? Yeah, I l- largely agree with Connor. I think um, you know any digital transformation tends to make old tasks somewhat redundant through through automation. But the, the, the role and the job itself is is largely what the Treasury team want to make of it. They have a, a very uniquely placed position to, to add a lot of value to the strategic direction of the business. I think in terms of your question around upskilling, don't necessarily need to, to dramatically upskill. I don't think treasurers need to, to become technologists themselves, mm. but they, they definitely need an understanding of what out, what's out there in the market. Yeah. They're, they're wonderfully placed to do that because they have the visibility of, of all of the bank and software vendors yeah. wishing to educate them on their shiny new <laughs> product. But it's it's an understanding and an interest of, of where of where Treasury will go. And it, it does need to become, as it is in some companies, more of a, a policy and strategic direction decision-making vehicle. Yes. And with, with a lot of the tasks being automated and the day-to-day uh, running of the, of the processes, you know, you want to automate them. We, we have you know, big energy companies who trade foreign exchange with us who 10 years ago had a team of 15 foreign exchange dealers. And now there's one or two who are overseeing the automation of, of, yeah. that, of that process. Now, that's not new. The the, the, the automation of processes has, has happened throughout the history of, of companies. But I think there's a tipping point here where it's it can be done very, very fast and, and very, very strategically because of the tools available in the market. So yeah. I wouldn't say dramatic upskilling, but... Um, an understanding and an appreciation of, of, of how technology will drive the business going forward is, is really, really neat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rowan, your thoughts? I'll just pick up on, on Nick's last point there around the, the sort of scanning of the wider environment. I think that's, that's a really important role of the treasurer. And it is, it's actually quite, it's quite a scary environment at the moment in terms of the amount of solutions and the number of solutions yeah. that are out there. And, and lots of people selling their wares, selling their software or platform solutions. So I think the important thing is to, again, educate widely across the market, take a step back and understand what you're trying to achieve, and also talk more widely to, to partners as well as other corporates. You know, Treasury is a big network. And if you're talking to other treasurers and other treasury teams about what's worked for them, that's re- yeah. that's really helped. I think also tapping into the, the sort of underlying corporate culture is really important. And I think we do need to understand that that, that some corporates are, I mean, everybody needs to digitize to a certain extent. Mm. Some can be more reticent um, and want to be fast followers rather yes. than early adopters. Yeah. We've definitely seen some some clients among ours keener to adapt things, adapt and adopt things like blockchain technologies, whereas others are mm. more, look, mm-hmm. we just want to wait and see. And then if it works, then, then we'll look at it. That really needs to reflect the underlying corporate culture. So yeah. um, 
sort of walking before you can run, I think is, is probably important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right. So we've covered an awful lot of ground. So maybe if I could get you each to give your sort of top takeaway, what you think is the secret to a great digital treasury transformation that would be excellent and any little insights into the role of banks like NatWest in helping treasurers to achieve their goals would be fabulous. So Connor? Well, for me, I think the first thing is you need to be very clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve through mm-hmm. your transformation. So for some people, it would be very about, very much about sort of cost reduction, but for others, it could be around operational efficiency, risk mitigation, uh, you know, building capability to support M&A activity. There are a whole number of different drivers, yeah. so it could be any one or number of those. So, so that in itself is really, really important to help define what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second piece is then really thinking about the investment case. So I was lucky enough to work for a very large corporate that had its own fully integrated treasury management system and a a fairly sensible investment budget. But the reality is for most companies, they won't have a TMS necessarily or a fully integrated one. And indeed, their investment budget may be more constrained. As the business case is being built, it's really important to think about actually the, the wider value opportunities for, yeah. the, for the business itself around actually how does the investment in digital transformation, for example, within Treasury, support some of the wider goals of the business. And mm-hmm. we've talked earlier about, you know, for example, how you build connectivity between whether it's you know, functional stakeholders or, or front line of the business and, yeah. and so on. Great stuff, Connor. Thank you. Nick? Um, I think I'll pick up on something that, that Rowan mentioned in the previous question, that scanning the market for partners, software, vendors, banks is is daunting. And to Connor's point, you, you, you can do that effectively once you've decided what you want to achieve, mm-hmm. um, because there's a huge variety of complementary and competing systems and ideas out there. And I think once you've decided what you want to achieve, you've then scanned the market, you then really need to find the, the right partner, the right tech vendor and the right bank partner, because you need to understand that the features that the banks and the tech vendors have need to match what you, what you're trying to achieve. So, yeah. so my advice would be really f- finding the right partner, both in the bank and the tech side. Rowan, your final thoughts. Connor mentioned the importance of understanding the dynamics and position of, of the business you're operating in, um, which is obviously really important. And I'll just reflect our own experience of driving technology change in our business, which is, it does involve quite a lot of technology change and that success is driven by, engaging stakeholders early and taking them on the journey with you because then you'll find out where the roadblocks are. Um, we, we were working with a corporate recently who wanted to implement a supply chain finance program and one of the challenges they found was that they wanted to do the program but it required a link between ERP and bank systems to enable the, mm-hmm. the, the interchange of data, the flow of data, but their, their IT change teams were just chocker um, with, with workflow and for the, the six months to a year period so clearly creates a, a roadblock so as I say understanding where the where the stakeholders are and taking them on the journey is, is really really important and I guess just to, to pick up on, on Nick's point that um, selection of channels in terms of how they work with banks it is banks role uh, I think to enable the provision of, of products and services through the channels that our customers opt to use yeah but we can't work with everybody um Mm -hmm. in every way so when you are selecting these platforms and channels make sure you're also talking to your banks and your relationship banks about who they can work with and how through which technology because otherwise you might find it might not be as successful as you want as you like thank you for listening to this episode of on point we hope you enjoyed it 
Please remember to subscribe to our channel for future episodes on the topics shaping the landscape for corporates and institutions. Also, if you like and share our content, that will help others to find it.